Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this evening. God, we thank you for the ability to gather together as believers. God, we thank you for your word because it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And God, I pray that as we dive into your word, God, that you would reveal yourself to us, that God, you would speak right to our hearts. Lord, you know every single person in this room, every single person that's watching online. God, you know their hearts, you know the, their needs, their aches, their pains, their joys. And Lord, I pray that tonight we would open up our hearts to hear from you. God, speak into each and every one of our situations. Lord, we thank you that your word is so powerful that it can do that. God, we trust in you tonight. Move in this place. Move in our hearts by your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, there's a verse that I want to read that um, doesn't necessarily go along with what I'm going to say, but I just want to read it first. <laughs> I got to get it out there. Uh, Philippians 3, 7. It says, this is Paul talking, and he's talking about having no confidence in all of his accolades and all the things that he does and all the things that make him awesome. And he had a whole list of things that made him awesome. But in verse 7, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage so that I can gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own, not having a righteousness of, that comes from the law but which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And verse 10 says this, I want to know Christ Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Paul, for that, uh, that portion of scripture, that, that cry of all of our hearts that if we were to mount up uh, a list of all of our accomplishments, they would be garbage, it says. He, he literally uses the word garbage, and I'm sure uh, in the original language there's a different word, but it's translated for us as garbage compared to all that he has in Christ. Oh, that's good. That's good. And what's so good about that is that it's available to each and every one of us. It's not based on anything else. And I'm going to get off on a way on a tangent, so let's swing back to what's on this paper. All right, tonight we are going to continue the discussion that Pastor John began um, on Sunday, and he was talking about the spiritual discipline of solitude, of being alone with God, and tonight we're going to dive a little uh, into that as we talk about solitude in the, in the sense of how do we hear God speaking to us when we're alone? How is it that we actually hear God speaking to us? We're going to start in Genesis 1-3. This is the the very beginning in its creation. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let there be animals. And there were animals. And God said, let there be uh, fish in the, in the sea. And there were fish in the sea. And God said, and it was, his words created things. Now, the only things that my words create is maybe a reaction to somebody. Luke, stop. Ben, don't. <laughs> but my words don't create living things. God's words created things. God's word is so powerful that uh, he calls things into being that weren't there before. 
There's not one person, no matter what authority you have uh, politically, financially, any way, that can create like God creates by a word to speak something into existence. God, when he spoke, could not only create things, but you think about what he did with the Red Sea when he split the sea. God spoke, and the sea split in half. God spoke uh, in the time of Elijah, and it stopped raining for three years. I mean, I could say don't snow. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. We could all together get around outside and chant, don't snow, don't snow. Doesn't mean we're going to have any uh, thing happen because of what we say. But God said, uh, don't rain, and it didn't rain. God caused water to spring up, and the earth flooded. God speaks and things happen. God spoke uh, to Joshua battle plans. He spoke one time and the sun stayed in the sky longer than it was supposed to so the battle could finish. God uh, can speak and change weather patterns, change situations. God spoke on the cross when we, and we just sang about it when he said, it is finished. Those words meant that it was finished, that our sins were paid for once and for all. I can say that, but it has not the weight that God says it. When God says it and gave the sacrifice of his life, God's word changes things supernaturally, right? So when God speaks, it's important. When God says something, it's, it's heavy, it's weighty, it's valuable. It's, we should pay attention to it. I could blab here all night long. It's more important that you hear one word from God. I like in Psalm 12, verse 6, it says, And the words of the Lord are flawless. Flawless. That means there's nothing wrong in them. That when God speaks, it's perfect. When God speaks, he doesn't make mistakes. When God creates, he doesn't make mistakes. His words are flawless like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. I don't know if you're anything like me, but there's times where I speak out of anger and I say things I wish I could just rewind the tape and take back. Uh, sometimes I speak and I say things uh, that uh, are maybe socially awkward. <laughs> I'm thinking of examples that I won't share because we're... we're <laughs> There, okay, there is this one time, this lady, uh, we hadn't gotten together in a long time. I hope they're, we hadn't gotten together in a long time. She was always like, we should get together, we should get together. We saw each other at all these events. And one time she came up to me, we should really get together. And without thinking, I said, yeah, maybe in heaven. <laughs> and I wanted to take those words back, like right away. But I knew we weren't ever going to actually get together because we had said it for years we've been saying this to each other. So it was like what I really meant in my head was like, yeah, we'll get together in heaven because we're not, oh my goodness. But when God speaks... <laughs> Please don't say that to me. <laughs> like, hey, Sarah, we should get together. Yeah, maybe in heaven. <laughs> oh. But when God speaks, he doesn't make errors. It's flawless. When he speaks, it's on purpose, and it's powerful. It creates, it stops things, it starts things. His words are like gold refined seven times. And in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's words to us in the Bible shine a direction on where we should go. And I remember hearing uh, Annie Bullard preach one time about how when, she, when God shines a light to our path, it's not always a light that goes all the way back there, but it's a light to our path right here. 
and it shows us what we're going to do next. It shows us where to go and where not to go. Just to hear a word from God. The fact that every single person in this room has access to hearing God speak. The God who said, light, animals, sun, stop. That God whose words are flawless, we can hear him speak. When Billy Graham was asked, Reverend Billy Graham, if you could change one thing about your ministry, what would it be? One thing. And Billy Graham said, if I could change one thing, it would have been to have more time to prepare. More time in the word of God. More time before I was in the spotlight. More time alone in solitude with Jesus. We think about Paul when he started his ministry and the years that he spent alone before he went to Jerusalem and started this ministry. We think of all these people. We think of Jesus who continually drew alone to be with God. Most people, you think about Joseph and his story, and before he was exalted as the second to Pharaoh, he was alone in prison. He was alone in a pit. He was alone. And God continually takes us to places where if we would just be alone with him, take the time to listen, to be refined, to, to learn of him, to mature ourselves, then we can go out with confidence in the things that he's calling us to do. But God wants to speak his most excellent words to us sometimes when we're alone. God definitely speaks to us in crowds. I believe that God's gonna speak to all of us tonight at some point through some part of his word. But God also wants to spend time with us alone and speak to us individually, one-on-one. -on -one. And how does he do it? And we're going to talk a little bit about hearing God's voice. When I think about the stories that we've shared here on Wednesday nights, when I think about St. Patrick, how could St. Patrick go back to Ireland? He heard the word of the God of heaven. It wasn't just a good idea or a shiny travel agent package. It had to be a word from God, and he listened to that word. How did the Judsons go over to, to Burma? Oh, because they heard God speak. How is it that, uh, that John and I are here in Clinton? Because we heard God speak to our hearts to come here at this time. When we hear God speak and we obey what he says, it's, in, it's supernatural. We come up with all these ideas on our own, but when we can stop, be alone, listen and hear God's voice, it's supernatural. One of the, the uh, kind of low-hanging fruit of stories of God speaking is 1 Samuel 3, when um, Eli is uh, sleeping in the, let's turn there to 1 Samuel chapter 3. Eli and Samuel. Samuel is... I thought I had this bookmarked, but we're going to go right there. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, <clears throat> we have Eli who's in charge, and we have this little boy, Samuel, um, who is training under Eli. And one night he's sleeping, and he hears this voice, and the voice says to him, um, Samuel, Samuel. And automatically, Samuel, who has never heard the voice of the Lord before, thinks it must be Eli, his teacher. And he runs to him and says, teacher, teacher, what do you need? And he says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. So he goes back to go to sleep, and he hears again, Samuel, Samuel. And again, he runs to his teacher, and the teacher says, I didn't call you. It's the Lord. Go back and lay down. And this happens three times. And then when the Lord says, Samuel, Samuel, he says, here am I, Lord, speak. And God begins to say things to him. And if we go to the very last slide of those verses, 
I think we're going to start in verse 19. It says, I'm all over the place. Here we go. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So this wasn't just a one-time incident. You can see throughout Samuel's life, God speaking literal words to him and him obeying. Samuel was the one who anointed King David as king. And so it was God speaking to Samuel in real time as Samuel was going down the line trying to choose who the next king of Israel would be. And he goes through the line and he says, nope, wasn't any of these. Do you have any other sons? He had to be able to hear God's voice to know that. How do you just hear God's voice? It's because Samuel had spent time in the presence of God, year after year after year. He got used to hearing God's voice and used to obeying it so that in the moment, in real time, he could hear God say, it's none of the people here, it's somebody out in the field. And they bring David in, and Samuel anoints David as king of Israel. But Samuel uh, continued to be alone with the Lord to hear his voice. He heard it as a boy. And he continued and continued and continued to hear God's voice. Another famous story is the story of uh, Balaam's donkey um, who spoke. The Lord was trying to speak and trying to speak, and they weren't listening. And so this account in the Bible talks about Balaam's donkey opening up his mouth and talking. Now, here's the thing about Balaam's donkey that gives me comfort. Balaam's donkey did not have perfect church attendance. He did not memorize the memory verse every week like everybody else. He, did, he wasn't, there was no merit to why this donkey got to speak on behalf of the Lord. And if God can use Balaam, right? He can use any one of us. It's not based on our perfection. It's based on our heart being contrite before God, saying, God, uh, use me. I think of the disciples, the tax collector, the fishermen, the regular people. I think of myself, and I think, God, how can you use me? And yet, it's our heart conditioning to say, God, I'll trust you. God, I want to hear your voice. That God allows his Holy Spirit, he allows his voice, the one who says light and there's light, animals and there's animals, to speak to regular people. Regular people in 2021. People who are living in Clinton, New York. This seems impossible. The God of the universe is speaking. But there are so few people that are listening. And sometimes when I'm driving in the car or talking to God, I'm like, God, how is it that you would ever use me? And, and there's been a few times where the Lord has just spoken into my heart and said, there's so few people who are seeking me. There's so few people who are even trying to listen to God who are trying to seek his face. And the Bible teaches us that if you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. He's looking to see if our hearts are open to hear him. And the Bible says that if we don't praise him, that even the rocks will cry out. And I don't, I don't know, but I don't think in my limited understanding that the rocks are literally going to talk. But I think if the people of God were not to call out God's praises, then nature itself testifies to the greatness of God. John and I, years ago, we used to kayak a lot. And when we would kayak, John would fish. And I like to just paddle around, take pictures of stuff, and look around. But my favorite thing was to watch the trees, the wind in the trees. And I always thought of it as the trees worshiping God. You know, when they wrestle, the wind wrestle, you know, just rustles through the, the, the leaves. 
Everything worships God. Creation worships God. God created creation, and it worships him, and it's faithful to worship him. But we as people are not as faithful to seek God. We're not as faithful to worship him, to listen to his voice. He wants to speak to and through every single one of us. His words are so good. Why would we not want to listen? His words are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. God is speaking through his word. This book, if we open it, God is speaking. Many times we say, well, I don't hear a thundering voice uh, that's audible in my room when I'm asking God to speak to me. There are many times where uh, the Lord speaks right from the pages of his word. And when we open the Bible, it's not just to read a certain amount, to check a box, to say, I read four chapters. How about you? It's to lay this open before the Lord and say, God of heaven, would you reveal yourself to me in this word? God, would you speak to me? God, my heart is open to listen and to be alone and to be quiet and to listen to what God would say to us. Here's the thing. You might hear nothing. I've been there. I've been there for long periods of times where I read and I hear nothing. And I read again and I hear nothing. But we keep seeking. We keep reading. We keep going after the presence of God. We keep finding a place to be alone and be silent. The way that God speaks to me now is so different than when I first got saved at 16 years old. I would seek the Lord and seek the Lord and seek the Lord, and I wasn't really hearing anything, but I was reading, and I was ingesting all that I could of the word of God. Keep reading, keep seeking, keep reading, keep seeking. And if today he doesn't talk to you, tomorrow he doesn't talk to you, keep going, keep seeking, keep seeking. I love the story of Joshua, how he would hang around longer outside the tent when Moses was in there. And he would just hang around waiting. And Moses would go home. Moses wasn't in charge. Moses would go home and Joshua just hung around. If we're thirsty for the presence of God, if we want to hear a word from God, if we keep reading, if we keep seeking, if we keep knocking, God wants to speak into our lives. And sometimes he's looking to see how faithful we will be to his word. It's not based on our, our to-do list or our faithfulness because we look back at Balaam the, don the donkey and he can speak right through anybody. But uh, we keep seeking even when we hear nothing. But when God does speak, you can't forget it. It's a marker in your life. Because his words are purified, his words are flawless. Most of you know John and I's story, our testimony to God's goodness. And part of it is that while we were in Bible college, before we got married, I got pregnant. And we um, don't look at our son Luke as a sin. We look at what happened to create Luke as a sin because it was outside of marriage. And so I found myself seven months pregnant, unsure of what to do in that moment. And I remember knowing that I had to seek the Lord. I had to seek the Lord. And this is what's so beautiful about the gospel. This is the gospel, that God loves sinners. He loves Christians who sin. What? This is when I learned the love of God, that he would still accept me back, that he would still love me. But in that moment, I had to know if I was supposed to marry John. I couldn't marry him based on emotion. I had to hear a word that was flawless from the Lord so that years later I couldn't look back and say, 
I just married you because I was pregnant. Or I, just, I needed the Lord to speak to me so clearly. And I remember where I was. I was sitting in Lake Luzerne on my dad's, uh, in my parents' room downstairs. I was sitting on the bed praying. And I said, God, I need to know. And I will never forget that moment that God said, John is the one you're supposed to marry. It is a marker in my life. And you want to know why that marker is so important? Because... <laughs> John just, because we had to hold on to that anchor. God, there's been times where I played, God, you said, how come this is so hard? You said, you gave me him. And yet the Lord uh, helps us in our weakness. And time and time again, as annoying as it is, the Lord always leads me back to Jill. You change. Not John, you change, which is so frustrating. But the only thing that we can do is change ourselves. The only thing we can do is seek the Lord. And those markers in our lives will never waver. You could never convince me that I'm not supposed to be married to that man. Not in a hundred years. I don't care how bad our fights get or how dark the, the day gets. I know because the word of God came to my heart, and I know that I know that I know. And God wants to talk to you in the same way, that you can have those anchor points where God speaks to you. I looked, um, I Googled it, and the, the phrase, the word of the Lord came to me, appears 347 times in the Bible. Now, that's not a perfect picture because it was a quick Google search. So, But a lot of times it says, the word of the Lord came to me. He speaks the God who says light speaks. He said to Abraham, go. If I were Abraham in that time period, I would not uproot my family and go to a land that's far away. It was unheard of. But because he heard that anchor point, God said, go, and I will, show, I will make you a great mighty nation. And Abraham went. God spoke to Noah, and he built an ark before it had ever rained because a supernatural voice spoke to him. And a supernatural voice can speak to you. He taught Joshua how to fight. He told Moses where to go and where to stop and what hill to climb and where to, what to do. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When God speaks, it's supernatural. So it may not make sense to us. We have to be careful to be obedient to whatever God says. There are so many things that if, if John and I could have written out on paper, what would make sense for our lives? God did the opposite. In, in the places that we've been in ministry, if we could have written out what ministry was supposed to look like for us, everywhere that we went in ministry, we made less money than the time before. <laughs> and it did not make me happy. And it did not make sense. And it made me feel in the world's view like, what's wrong? And we said, man, next place we go, we're going to have to pay them. And where did we come? <laughs> Somewhere where we were paying rent more than we were making. <laughs> and at that moment, I, what made total sense for me, John got, when we first came, John got a job bus driving. And what made total sense is for me to get a job. How else are we going to get Literal money. We live in a practical, real world where we need to buy groceries and gas. And every time I went to even think about getting a job, the Lord spoke to me, I don't want you to work outside the church. Well, this does not make sense. People are going to think I'm weird. People are going to think I'm lazy. People are going to think I'm uh, taking advantage of the church. People are going to think. People are going to think. And God kept saying, I don't want you to work. I want you to stay in the church. 
I tried to work. <laughs> I tried different places, and the Lord shut door after door so clearly that I knew. And so finally, it wasn't in a moment of, of stopping to apply different places. I couldn't get a job at Stewart's Friends. I applied at Stewart's. The lady said, oh, we're definitely giving you a call, the whole thing. I go home. I never heard from him, never heard from him. A couple weeks later, I go into Stewart's to get milk. And the lady says, we've been trying to call you. I was like, well, let me see what number you had. She had the right number. <laughs> it wasn't coming through. God knew that he had a plan and a purpose for this season of my life. And if I started a career or something outside the church, that that wouldn't take place. And so when I finally changed my heart, and I said, okay, God. And I remember walking up and down this aisle over here crying. And I remember calling a friend from out of state because I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Whoa. And she's like, do what God tell, told you to do. And as soon as I let my heart go and say, God, okay, I won't work. Then God brought income for us that um, came from a very unexpected place and sustained us all the way through. But it didn't happen until after my heart changed. There wasn't anything outward that you could see, but my heart changed. My heart said, yes, God. When God speaks, it may not make sense to us in our natural world, but it makes sense supernaturally, and we have to listen to God. There are so many things in my life, and for the, the sake of time, it won't go into every story, but I would... When I was 16 years old, I was called to preach. That was my calling. I knew that I knew that God had called me to preach. Now, if I were to write out what that was supposed to look like, it doesn't look like what it looks like right here. It doesn't. I, I didn't know, but um, where I preach is online, and I'm preaching at all these different outside places. It's not on a Sunday morning pulpit, but God knew that. So God prepared my heart. God made a way. God spoke to me. God mentored me. God led me. But if I were to choose, it would have been different. I have to listen to a supernatural God who will do supernatural things if we'll listen. One last story. It did not make sense when we started here at church for me to volunteer at CareNet. I was so busy. I was so run down with so many things. And the Lord said, I want you to go take a day a week and volunteer at CareNet. And I thought, no way. God. Do you even see what my week looks like? I don't have an extra moment. And I put it off and I put it off. And it was one day where there was a, a prayer meeting for CareNet here. And I went up to the director and I said, I think it's time for me to volunteer. The things that God did because I said yes to volunteering, I could write a small book. And it was for a season. I wasn't, I was there maybe a year. God had a plan. God had a plan. If we'll listen to the God who said, light, animals, sun, stop, that God whose word is flawless. If we listen to these supernatural ideas, we're going to do things that we never dreamt of doing. We're going to be places we never dreamt of being. When my time with the Lord alone in solitude starts, and there's a lot of times where I will take days apart and I say, this day I'm going to dedicate to the Lord, I will never forget uh, this sweet girl um, in Bible college. She was from Africa. And back then, I didn't know what part of Africa. I was just like, oh, you're from Africa. Everyone from there is like living near each other. But anyway, she said that she used to take a day uh, off of work, and she would dress in her finest clothes. She would take a bath. She would put on perfume, and she would go up in her attic and spend the, t the day with the Lord. 
she would dress up to be with Jesus. And that stuck with me forever. And, you know, when I take days alone with God, I, I don't usually go that route. It's usually stretchy pants and a sweatshirt. But I get in my car, and as soon as I'm in the car, the clouds look better. The grass looks greener because I'm, I'm in wonder and in awe of who this God is that wants to speak to us. It changes everything. And the, the God of the universe says, come, talk to me. And it's not mystical. It's beyond that. It's straight crazy <laughs> that the God of the universe would speak to us. How does it work? How does it work that God actually speaks to us? I have no idea. Because God created you and you and you and you all differently. He wants to speak to us all in different ways. And so if we want to hear from him, we have to ask him, God, will you speak to me? God, will you show me what I'm supposed to do or how I'm supposed to hear from you? We're all uniquely created to hear from him. But the part is that we can't stop seeking. We can't stop reading. We can't stop fellowship with other believers because God wants to speak through all of those things. What happens to us when we are alone with God? The Bible says, abide in me because he's the vine and we are the branches. If we're getting everything that we need from God, we're not pining after friendships in this world. If we're getting everything we need for God, we're, we're not pining after money, we're not pining after position. If we're getting everything that we need from God, then we don't care about position or what club we're involved in, a group we get invited to, or promotion, it doesn't matter. It's like Paul who says, it's all garbage. I get to be with Jesus. Guys, I get to sit with Jesus. And how many days do we put that as the last thing? Or we just kind of don't do it? Tonight, before you go, go to bed, from the youngest person in this room to the oldest person in this room, you have an opportunity to sit before God. I had a friend who had, uh, Dad, you're not the oldest. Well, maybe you are. No, okay. <laughs> Someone online is probably older than all of us. Uh, <laughs> God because he cares. You could bring your big things before God because he cares. And his, his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And whether we hear a booming voice or we hear the, the word of the Lord come to us in our mind or we hear the word of the Lord because it jumps off of, uh, off of a page of scripture like never before, we hear from God. We have to be careful to obey in the little things, to listen in the little things. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do. And Martin Luther had a lot to do. He was involved in so many things, debates and changing literally the nation, changing the face of Catholicism. Martin Luther had a lot to do and a lot riding on his shoulders, and it was a lot. Martin Luther was one of the first priests to ever get married. He was the one that now, because Martin Luther paved the way, John and I could be married in a ministry. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do.
that I have to spend at least two hours in prayer. I can't do it otherwise. If you're bogged down, <laughs> when I spend time with God, all the stuff that I thought put a knot in my And that's so great because it's available to all of us from the youngest to the oldest. We're going to worship God because what a gift. And the gift of God speaking to us is set right before us every day and it's up to us if we're going to open it or if we're just going to leave it there for another day. Let's worship God and thank him for being the God who speaks to us. We're going to sing the song, Worthy is the Lamb. And it's my prayer that tonight you would get alone with God. Tomorrow you would get alone with God, that you would never tire of being in his presence and letting him fill you up. God, I thank you for this night. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you speak so clearly. If we'll run after you, if we'll listen, if we'll come to you. God, I thank you that you've given each and every one of us access to you, 24-7 access. God, you always are listening. Lord, we just want to praise you. We just want to thank you for the gift of your presence, for the gift of your response to us. You could have made us and left us on our own, but God, you've come near in your son, Jesus. You've come near by the Holy Spirit. God, you've come near. Sin and shame. 